Thank you to each one who participated. I appreciate the historical committee for putting forth all this work and effort in the many displays and uh, also in putting together the service this morning. We again thank each one who participated. It had a bit of a retro uh, feel to it as we only used the piano and uh, the music was intentionally chosen uh, to reflect a, a former time. So we are grateful as we reflect upon all that God has done for us. For indeed we are celebrating our 100th anniversary. The church was founded January the, uh, January the 11th in, uh, in uh, 1911. And so uh, today is the closest Sunday to that as we celebrate what God has done. We're going to take a stroll down memory lane and reflecting on how God has provided for us. When we read the scriptures, we find that our history is very important. We need to know our history. God repeatedly called upon Israel to understand and to embrace its history. I say that, and if you do a concordance study, you will soon find out that if you have a New American Standard or King James Bible, the word history does not appear in those texts. And if you have the NIV Bible, it appears once. The word history. It's been said often that the word history uh, should remind us that it is his story. A story of God's providence and care. And while the Bible does not use the word history, it does talk about remembering. And remembering often. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we find that it is a sad state of affairs when the people do not remember their former days. Ecclesiastes 1.11 says, There is no remembrance of men of old, and even those who have yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. And that is vanity. There is a vanity, a futility, in not remembering our former days, for we are to learn from our past. And so this morning I want us to think about some lessons that Israel was to learn from its past and some lessons that we can learn from our past as well. I have no specific text. I'm just going to be referring to uh, a few verses very briefly. So bear with me as much of this is going to be a reiteration of our own particular history. The Israelites were being prepared to enter the promised land, to enjoy all that God had before them. The book of Deuteronomy is given to us. It consists of five messages that are delivered by Moses to help the children of Israel prepare for entering the promised land. As we reflect upon those messages that Moses delivered in the book of Deuteronomy, there is a theme that is recurring. Five times Israel is called upon to remember something very specifically. Five times it says there is something that should never pass out of their remembrance. Something that constantly should be kept before them. And that is they were to remember their humble beginnings. And in particular, that they were slaves in the land of Egypt. Deuteronomy 5.15 And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Deuteronomy 
15, 15. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Deuteronomy 16, 12. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Deuteronomy 24, 18. But you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Deuteronomy 24, 22. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. In every one of Moses' messages, in all five of them, there is this reoccurring theme. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Why? Because sometimes people can have pretty selective memories. There is a tendency to remember the good and forget the bad. And thus there can be a nostalgic longing for the, quote, good old days, unquote. Well, selective memory is not all that bad, I guess. But not only can we have the selected memories, we can have very distorted memories. We can be very redactionist in our thinking. And if we're not careful, we paint a picture of the past which is far different than the truth. And we need to remember the truth of our history. In order that we do not make the former days better or worse than they really were. Israel had a great tendency to distort its history, to forget what God had done for them. While they were in the wilderness, traveling for that 40-year period, they came upon some pretty hard and difficult periods of time. In that time, God wonderfully provided for the children of Israel manna from heaven. Manna was, was a bread that was miraculously provided from God. The word manna means, what is it? Because the children of Israel one day woke up and they said, well, what is this? What, what is it? Well, it was God's provision for them. It was food from heaven. But the children of Israel soon got tired of this provision of God. They soon wanted something else, something more, something better. They wanted meat to eat and not just this bread. But as they began to grumble and as they began to complain and as they began to become upset with what God was doing for them and among them, they grumbled against Moses. And we read these words in Numbers chapter 11, verse 4. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. Look what we have now. We remember when we were in Egypt, we had this smorgasbord of food and we could eat it at no cost. Moses, why have you brought us into this barren land? Oh, for the good old days. They forgot that they were slaves in Egypt. They forgot the good old days were not all that good. They forgot what God had done for them. And they distorted their past by aggrandizing it and making it something far better than what it really was. It's good to remember 
that our beginnings are humble. Humble beginnings. That's good for us to remember as individuals and also as a church. The early days were a bit of a struggle for our church. And I'm going to reflect on those days a little bit. I am greatly indebted to Judy Althouse, who prepared a masterful paper on the history of our church. And so much of this I am drawing from her great work. A hundred years ago, we were known as the Mennonite Brethren in Christ. And as I said, the early days were quite a struggle. There was a society in the Mennonite Brethren in Christ that were known as the Gospel Heralds. And uh, let me tell you what and who the Gospel Heralds were according to the 1934 yearbook. The Gospel Herald Society is composed of men in uniform called the Gospel Heralds who are called of God to preach and sing the Gospel in open-air meetings, tents, halls, and tabernacles and sell Bibles, Testaments, mottos, the official paper called the Gospel Herald, and Saturday Evening Call, the Christian Service Calendar, and other religious publications. While engaged in this sort of work, they were in training for pastoral, evangelistic, and missionary work at home and abroad as the Holy Spirit directs. Well, it was in January in 1911 that H.A. Kaufman arrived in Lebanon, a worker of the Gospel Herald Society, with the intent of reaching a people for Jesus Christ. The work began January 11, 1911. From June 1 to August 27, 1911, tent meetings were conducted at four locations, 4th and Hathaway, 6th and Locust, 3rd and Weidman, and 12th and Lehman. The 105 meetings drew a total attendance of about 11,000 people. Nine people were baptized on July 16th in the Snitz Creek by Reverend J.G. Shireman. So, 11,000, which resulted in 16 baptisms. On September 24th, 1911, the first meeting was held at 521 Locust Street, Lebanon. And that would be the location of the church until 1970. The chapel was secured by paying an option of $100 for a three-month trial after earnest prayer and waiting upon God. The purchase from St. Stephen's Reformed Church was completed on January 3rd, 1912 at the cost of an additional $2,000. In 1936, a milestone for the church was marked as the work was organized. When those who had been faithful in the work of the Gospel Herald Chapel and who wished to become members were received into membership, the church elected officers, and at the annual conference, both church and pastor were received as full members of the Pennsylvania Conference of the Mennonite Brethren in Christ Church. The church was incorporated under the laws of the state of Pennsylvania on February 11th of that same year. So it took 27 years for the mission work here at Lebanon to reach the status of being a full-fledged church in the Mennonite Brethren in Christ Church. In the fall of 1945, and I'm fast-forwarding here, obviously, 
In the fall of 1945, Reverend E.E. E. Kublik came to Lebanon and pastored the flock for six years. Brother Kublik is Ethel Herb's father. And uh, there is a great amount of memorabilia in the, in the back of the church that gives you a real flavor of uh, Brother Kublik's ministry and what life and times were like at that particular point in our history. During Pastor Kublik's ministry, the church was strengthened and built up in facilities and finances. On March 29, 1948, the last of the debt on the mortgage on the church property was paid in full. Also in those years, there was uh, renovations on the house at 251 South 5th Street, including the removal of the front porch, which was replaced with concrete steps and a new sidewalk. The church plant was also improved with the removal of the steeple, digging out and finishing the basement, addition of an oil furnace and a coat of shingles on the building. A garage was erected, and all these improvements were paid in full before Brother Kublik retired from the full-time ministry in 1952. I'm reading a lot of this, and I read fast. I realize, am I reading too fast? Shake your head. Help me know. Okay. Because I'm also trying to keep to the time here a little bit. Okay. However, finances continue to be a great struggle for the church. In 1959, during the ministry of Pastor Hefner, the Mennonite Brethren in Christ Church became the Bible Fellowship Church. And that's not true just of this local church, but of the denomination as a whole. So that the Mennonite Brethren in Christ became the Bible Fellowship Church. In 1960, Brother Dan Ziegler came to Bethany Bible Fellowship Church of Lebanon and remained his pastor until 1964. This is the first of the preceding pastors that I've been able to have a personal relationship to. Uh, it's been a joy to know our brother uh, Dan Ziegler and for his faithful service, not only here in Lebanon, but to the Bible Fellowship Church as a whole. Pastor Ziegler reported on the status of the church at the time of the 50th anniversary, October 1961. He said, and I quote, The church has received financial assistance from the denomination for its entire history. The 78th Annual Conference on October 11, 1961, reduced the denominational appropriation to a small token amount. The church expects to achieve complete self-support within a year. And uh, that indeed took place. In 1962, the church no longer was dependent upon the denomination for financial assistance. But that took 50 years. 50 years. For 50 years, we were still dependent upon our denomination for financial assistance. In 1962, the church became fully supported and was not relying upon the denomination, as I just said. Out of faith and trust in God, the church leaders continued to make strides by the grace of God. Our brother, uh, Bruce A. Ellenson, came to Lebanon Church in 1966 to begin an unprecedented 17-year pastorate. On June 7, 1970, a groundbreaking service was held by the Lebanon Church on its 3.8-acre building site south of the city, which is this location. Participating in the ceremony were John L. John L. Herr, representing Abram S. Horst Incorporated, Pastor N. H. Wolf, a founding pastor of the church, Jack S. Herb Sr., chairman of the expansion committee, Pastor Bruce A. Ellingson, 
pastor of the church, Ralph D. Bixler, president of the board of trustees, Leroy O. Herb, Sunday school superintendent, the Reverend A. L. Seifert, district superintendent, Mrs. Jack Herb, Sr., president of the Women's Missionary Society, and Ms. Charlotte Hess, president of Youth Fellowship. Construction of the $147,000 church and Sunday school building was completed in March 1971. A dedication of the new facilities was held on March 27th and 28, 1971, with March 27th being a dedication open house and March 28th being the service of dedication. The theme for the dedication was, Build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, said the Lord. Haggai 1.8 I followed Pastor Ellingson and came in September 1983. From December 1983 to 1984, a parsonage next to the church here on Mill Road was constructed. On July 20th, 1998, a resolution to pay off the mortgage on the parsonage was adopted. Then in 1991, we had a groundbreaking ceremony for the construction of a new sanctuary, additional classrooms, laboratories, and remodeling of the kitchen at a project cost of $975,000. The last service in the old sanctuary, now our fellowship hall, was held on March 22, 1922, excuse me, 1992, and the first service in the new sanctuary was held on March 25, uh, 1992. The theme verse for that whole building project is the verse that appears on our bookmark, Psalm 115, verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. The church continued to see numerical growth and there was need for additional pastoral staff. Pastor Heller began his work as assistant pastor in Lebanon on August 1st, 1995. Pastor Dave joined the pastoral staff on August 1st, 2006. And so we've had a pretty humble beginning. I went over that very quickly. I wanted to give you a sense of our, our past. But now I want to slow down and say to you, but the importance is the church is not a building. The church is not a building. We praise God for all the facilities and the blessings that we enjoy. What we really enjoy, rejoice in is God building a people. People have been saved, baptized, and discipled in the Word of God. We build on our past. In the back, there are pictures of all the individuals that pastored our church. We have a great heritage, and we are indebted to each and every one of them. I think in particular of the former pastors that I have known. Pastor Ziegler, under whose ministry the work finally gained financial independence. And I think of Pastor Ellingson. Pastor Ellingson is with us this morning. I didn't know he was going to be here. So, these are in my notes, brother. And I just want you to, to know how much we appreciate you. Pastor Ellingson laid a tremendous foundation for me to build upon. Not just facilities, which were wonderful. We had that beautiful new sanctuary over there, which is now our fellowship hall. But even more importantly, theologically. He laid a theological foundation for our congregation. It is superb. It was the truth. 
And he laid that foundation at great personal cost. I thank you. It's been my joy to benefit from that. And to be able to build upon it. To shore up that aspect of our, of our work. I thank you very much. Not only did he establish a theological foundation, but he poured his life into the people of our congregation. When I came, we had a very, very dedicated, knowledgeable, committed board of elders. When I came, this church was just primed to take off. I take no credit. I acknowledge the shoulders that I stood on. When I came, we had 75 people. But by the grace of God, he worked and he moved. And he built not just a building, but he builds a people of God. And this morning, there are a lot of pictures of pastors around here. In fact, too many by my count. (laughs) But, but, I want to say very, very publicly that just like a quarterback on a football team, many times pastors get far too much credit for what takes place in life of the church. I'm thankful for our, our dedicated elders, our deacons, our Sunday school teachers. Pastors come and go. But there are so many that have been here for so long and so faithfully have served. They're the backbone. And I thank you. And that's an important part of our church. It's easy to look at brick and mortar. And forget, as I say, the true aspect of what the church is, that is the people of God. And so, this morning, I want you to see how God has built his church. If uh, you would, if you were worshiping here prior to the ministry of Pastor Ziegler, that means you've got to reach at least the age of 50 years old. Because we're talking about more than 50 years ago that Pastor Ziegler first came. Uh, If you were here under the ministry of Pastor Ziegler, would you stand? And you have to remain standing here because we have a little object lesson going on. So thank you. Okay, you can look around. Please do that. Look around. These are the faithful people that were here uh, more than 50 years and who have been serving us faithfully in the life of the church. Then Pastor Ziegler came, ministered with us for Six years. You've got to stay standing. You've got to stay standing. They've embarrassed me. Now's my chance to embarrass you. Okay. So if, if you came to worship with us under the ministry of Pastor Ziegler, would you stand, please? Okay. And uh, so uh, the church is, is added, and we're grateful for what God has done. Then Pastor Haratak came. He's, he's not here. And then we had Pastor... Ellingson, uh, if you came to worship under Pastor Ellingson, would you please stand? Okay, and you can see how the church has prospered and what God is doing. And then if you're still sitting, that means you came at some point in my ministry. So if you'd stand, please. Okay, and what I want you to acknowledge today is that we stand together. We stand together by the grace of God. And we just take a few moments to greet each other 
and to express your appreciation for their being a part of this body. Just take a few moments. Hey, brother. Thank you. Lord bless. Thank you, and you may be seated. This is just to whet your, whet your appetite. We're going to have a uh, noon meal together. It's our custom to do that the second Sunday of every month. And uh, we invite you to stay, and you can express your love and concern for each other at that time. The second thing the Israelites would remember was that the Lord had enabled them to do great things. Not only had they been... Slaves in the land of Egypt, but God had delivered them out of that slavery. God had delivered them from that slavery. Deuteronomy 5.15, and you should remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. The Lord brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Remember what God has done. And the emphasis is that it was God. The emphasis wasn't on Moses. The emphasis was not on the earthly leadership. It was on the activity of of Jehovah God. And that's where our focus really needs to be this morning. It needs to be on what God has done. It's not just a motto, it's a truth. Not unto us, O Lord. Not unto us, but unto thy name glory, for thy mercy and thy truth's sake. It is in that light that I, I feel a need to read a rather lengthy resolution to you. But it's an important part of our history. On July 18, 1990, a local conference was convened to enter into a building program for the facilities that we are now enjoying this morning. I'd like to read the resolution that was presented to the congregation in 1990. Whereas previous to 1986, we were experiencing a consistent growth in church attendance and church giving, And whereas the need for additional sanctuary, classroom, and parking space was apparent, and whereas in 1986 a five-year plan was adopted for the expansion of present facilities, and whereas all the financial goals as well as planning goals have been consistently met, and whereas in the intervening years we have continued to experience the growth in attendance and giving, and whereas in 1989 a building program, excuse me, a building committee was established and authorized to engage Arthur Funk and Sons for the design and construction of the church edition, and whereas the building committee has worked with Arthur Funk and Sons on designing a church edition that will adequately meet our needs now and into the future, and whereas this design has been presented to the church congregation, and whereas we have reached the fiscal year in which the actual construction phase is to begin, and whereas we believe these goals and plans to be far more than merely our goals and our plans, but in reality the leading, prompting, and guiding of the Spirit of God, and whereas we believe that all has been accomplished so far is due to God's blessing, that we are doing His will, that we will receive His continued grace as we place our trust in Him. Therefore, be it resolved that the building program as outlined by the Board of Elders and Building Committee 
be approved and adopted as the congregation and further resolve that the Board of Elders in particular and the Building Committee in general be authorized to take all those steps necessary to bring the building program to completion with the following approximations to be followed in completing the project. Donated materials and labor, $75,000. Phased projects, $150,000. Cash outlay, $150,000. Monies borrowed, $600,000. Total project, $975,000. And further resolved that we publicly acknowledge the goodness and grace of God which has led us to this point. And that we preserve a record testifying of our trust in the Lord for the accomplishment of this work by means of this resolution which will be recorded in the official church minutes to be read by all future generations. It was the intent to make a public declaration that we were trusting in God for the finances, for the building of this building, to his honor and his glory. And we made a vow not to forget it. Obviously, the church was built. A little more than a year ago, the mortgage was paid off. We are debt-free. The church, who for 50 years was dependent upon annual conference, the denomination for financial assistance, was able to extend a loan to Pinebrook Junior College of $40,000 to assist them in the work of God. The Lord has done great things. Not just in terms of finances, but in terms of people. For more than that, a hundred years ago, the Gospel Heralds came to Lebanon to reach a people with the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over the years, a small group of people were saved. They sacrificed. And they preserved. Where formerly there was nothing, now there exists a congregation of 300 people who gladly and openly confess the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. The Israelites were to remember that it was the Lord who not only did mighty things, but redeemed them. Deuteronomy 15.15 And you should remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. He purchased you. He bought you. We're to remember that we too were once slaves to sin. Romans 6, 17 and 18. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you have been committed. Having been freed from your sin, you became slaves of righteousness. For Israel was to realize that in their redemption, they were to move from a slavery to Egypt to now a faithfulness to God. No longer servants to Pharaoh, but now servants to him. Deuteronomy 32. Give ear, O heavens, and let me speak. And let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain. My speech distill as the dew, as the droplets on the fresh grass, and as the showers on the herb. For I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteous and upright is He. Deuteronomy 32.7 Remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father and he will tell you. Your elders and they will explain to you. 
when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when He divided all mankind, He set up boundaries to the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is His people. Jacob is His allotted inheritance. It says, in times past, God has established an inheritance for Himself. A people. We are a part of that people. We are a part of a long stream. As we heard it said this morning, the God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. The God of Jacob. The God of Brother Kaufman. The God of Brother Kubler. The God of Brother Zeke. The God of Pastor Allison. Our God. And the God of the future generations. We've been freed from our bondage in order to serve Him. In 1961, at our 50th anniversary celebration, Pastor Ziegler spoke. And he said this, and I quote, Prospects for the future are bright as God's promises, as sure as His character, and as big as His unlimited power. Brother Ziegler looked into the future and said great things are ahead. Now, another 50 years later, it's our 100th anniversary celebration. And I reiterate the words of Pastor Ziegler. Prospects for the future are as bright as God's promises, as sure as his character, and as big as his unlimited power. As we think of all the promises of God, and they are many, and they are great, and they are wonderful, I leave you with this promise. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not stand against it. That is our hope. That is our trust. That is our confidence. That is our legacy. We gather together to thank God for the protection and the provision for His church that He is building. And that's us. Not brick and mortar. A people. Brother Ellingson, I didn't know he was going to be here this morning. I'm glad he is. I count him a dear friend. He's been so kind to our family. He's been so helpful. Brother Ellingson, would you come and lead us in prayer? Let us pray. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. Our Father, we thank you for great is thy faithfulness. Even as Pastor Reed has 
rehearse the history so our hearts rejoice in your faithfulness that from humble beginnings because of the faithfulness of pastors and elders Sunday school teachers your word has been proclaimed and taught lives have been changed people have come to trust Jesus as their savior been discipled and now are serving. Thank you, Lord, that when this congregation made the resolution to build the facility in which we worship, they included in that that this was being done to the glory of God to be proclaimed from generation to generation. And we are grateful that we can be a part of it. And now, our Father, we would claim the promise that Jesus said, Upon this foundation I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hear us, O God, in the name of Jesus our Savior, who died for us that we might have the assurance of the forgiveness of sin and the hope of life everlasting. Amen. Thank you, brother.